0: Hello, everybody. Dr. Carol Francis here. Blog Talk Radio. Glad you could join us again this evening now. What is interesting is that I've had an entourage of individuals asking me about optimism in the last few days. One individual was 90 years old and she said that she had discovered that optimism was the primary way in which she was able to cope with all the different complications associated to being elderly. Now that's a pretty potent statement that if you can get old, you can get old as gracefully as possible, and the primary way you can do it is by way of being optimistic. That's a very good lesson to the rest of us. They're all fast approaching, getting old, and dying. And hey, guess what? That includes every single one of us. And I want you to be able to really consider the, um, the 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 importance of being able to be optimistic. But one of the reasons that this got stimulated is that someone asked me today to consider a quote Uh, from a particular bit of research. The research was done by Tali Sherat, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, from the University College of London, and she posed the concern that perhaps people who are overly optimistic actually might miss out on being able to take care of themselves if they they underestimated possible disasters. Would they be able to prepare for their retirement? Would they be able to get the right medical treatment for their complications if they were optimistic? so optimistic that they live in denial? Well, that question being posed to me is an interesting one, so I decided to look it up because it was counterintuitive to all the things that I have read and studied throughout my 32 years as a therapist. As a matter of fact, in the year 1979, I did some major research on the impact of optimism versus stress on the immune system. And it was quite clear as far back as that time that everybody that got stressed clearly was compromising every division or every aspect of their particular um, uh, immune system. And so as a consequence of that, you can just, you know, well imagine that I was thinking that, boy, anybody that's going to say that stress is better than optimism, I have got to take an exception to that. What I did realize when I read her particular equipment, her particular research, was that it wasn't so much optimism... But what the people did as a consequence of their optimism, it was what they decided to not pay attention to. The interesting component of the research was that they had their their brains being scanned and simultaneously offered possibilities of certain disasters entering into their life. And the optimists were the ones that said, oh, it won't happen. The ones that were pessimistic said, yes, that might happen. And they would rate the frequency or the percentage of likelihood that they thought that particular disaster would occur in their lifetime. Then when those particular individuals are categorized into the category of optimism or pessimism or um, various sundry divisions, they determined that they were going to give the factual probability as to how they might face a disaster, how many of them would be likely to get cancer, for example. So when they were given information that indicated that their idea was too pessimistic and that they probably would do better off, it seems that most individuals absorbed the information that was op- more optimistic than their point of view and incorporated that into their uh, their perspective. In other words, they became more optimistic. When they were given a statistics that were more pessimistic than what individuals wanted to believe about their likelihood of getting involved in some disasters, most people tried to not incorporate the information to their point of view and rather wanted to adhere to their own perspective on how likely they'd have to go through the disaster. So let's look at optimism. Let's look specifically at optimism. And does it help you be able to survive life better or does it compromise your ability to pay attention to taking care of yourself? Well, let's look at this. Is optimism bad for your health? No. What is bad for your health is failing to be aware of how to prevent potential or possible complications. And that would include things like avoiding environmental toxics. Uh, you know, the inevitability of death and its precursors are going to face all of us. And so we can't really avoid those things. So mismanaging our exposure to those complications in our environment, mismanaging those things, And then being optimistic seems to kind of miss the boat in terms of what optimism actually should prevail. And optimism actually should prevail that you are more optimizing of your self-management. So another danger of failing to take advantage of the benefits of optimism is that you fail to really manage yourself healthy. For example, let's say that you are inclined to drive drunk all the time because you're so optimistic that you'd never get in an accident. That's really kind of pressing your luck and it's using optimism in a way that's really not being responsible. Well, let's look at it this way. Seeing the glass as half full rather than half empty can be a positive thing, says Tali Sharot. She continues, it can lower stress and anxiety. It can be good for health and for well-being. But it can also mean that we are less likely to take precautionary actions such as practicing safe sex saving for retirement so something worthy to consider in terms of how you use optimism in your life to avoid actually taking care of things it's the function of living in denial versus living in reality so can you be in reality and be optimistic well actually those individuals that approach life optimistically and in reality are among the healthiest mentally emotionally and physically on the planet yes optimism does really help Optimism is among, in my opinion, the premier attitudes. It supports individuals when they have diseases. Optimism is a very important operation, and it helps you when you're undergoing an operation. In fact, it might even reduce the amount of blood you're likely to spill. In fact, we use hypnosis with individuals going to a operation to minimize the amount of blood that they're going to lose during such, and there have been amazing uh, documents as to how the blood has been so minimal for individuals Got them there, hypnotized, that they would not bleed, but instead would cooperate physically with everything that needed to be taking place in the surgery. And they did more, uh, they were more cooperatively positive about the recovery as well. So optimism helps with pending operations. Optimism helps with recovering from invasive procedures. Optimism helps with difficult financial circumstances. yes. Optimism helps with bereavement as well. Optimism helps if you are facing a sensation of depression physiologically or you have a stressful life circumstance. Bereavement, for example. Job loss, for example. A loss of an individual in your life, such as divorce, for example. Optimism helps during the rough bouts in your marriage to keep your marriage on track. And it also is very helpful while raising children, especially for the individuals that have Children who are ADHD, very difficult to raise, or conduct complications, behavioral complications, being optimistic about your child, extremely helpful in terms of the raising process. Well, that's That's a big ticket when you talk about optimism. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, it's interesting to look at a recently new field called neuroimmunology. Boy, that's an inopportune time to cough, isn't it? Neuroimmunology is really um, the process of being able to study the impact of um, the neurotransmitters, the chemicals that involve the neurology of your body and how it fights off being sick or illnesses that attack the body. And most of the neuroimmunologists believe that psychological stress is definitely interfacing with all the complications that are likely to aggravate ill health. But What I would kind of conclude from a lot of the research is that psychological stress is one factor, a significant factor, but not the only factor. I'm going to quote from Friedman and Lawrence who published in the Oxford Journal, and they said, combined chemical, physical, and psychological stresses are suggested as exacerbating the initiation and or the duration of illness. And many of the detrimental outcomes on health are positive to relate to changes in neuroendocrine immune circuitry. So there we go. Freeman and Lawrence are basically saying that stress contributes to how illnesses initiate in the body and how long the body is going to be ill. That's not the only research though you really want to consider. So for example... Optimism has been shown to mitigate the effects of stressors on psychological functioning, okay? Dispositional optimists are those who hold generalized positive outcome expectancies have shown less mood disturbances in response to a number of different stressors, including adapting to college. How about also including fighting breast cancer? How about also including surviving, and successfully going through breast cancer surgery. So these type of findings are attributed to optimists, the belief that they can get through to the end of it, it can be resolved, they can minimize the defeat-related moods, they can minimize any sort of emotions of shame, depression, or anger. That optimists are also able to manifest that the power of their optimism helps them focus on being better physically fit. However, if they are enthusiastic, it even seems to be that their health is better. Their physical health is better overall. So that is shown in a number of different researches. And one interesting one is that in terms of coronary artery bypass surgery, the individual who's optimistic and, yes, has to go through that, is show a lot fewer signs of having complications during such surgery. So just think about the impact of the optimist. <clears throat> their immune system, their T lymphocytes system is better, whereas the pessimist in response, they tend to be weaker. We can go on and on and on with a incredible amount of research associated with this. And I'm going to suggest that you go to the article called Optimism is Associated with Mood, Coping, and Immune Changes in Response to Stress. And this article comes from Sigistrom, Taylor, Kimani, Fahey, all from UCLA. Well worth looking into. You can find all these references to these different researchers on my um, website called Relationships. Success now. Relationshipsuccessnow.com. now, if the optimists are able to function better and able to get through difficult situations better, how about the pessimists? Well, the pessimists show a more likelihood to do what's called avoidance solutions or avoidance coping, which means they're going to hide themselves from the actual realities of the circumstances. So interesting that the research is so opposite of what I mentioned at the very beginning that the research herein suggests that pessimists actually will resort to being avoidant of a situation, whereas the optimist tends to move into what we call solving problems. Um, A book that is a compilation of different sorts of social problem-solving skills has a chapter in it, and it's called The Social Problem-Solving and the Positive Psychological Functioning, and it looks at the positive sides of problem-solving. And this chapter is written by Chang, Gowdy, and Slot. It's Chapter 6 in the book called Social Problem Solving. And truly it indicates that optimists have the capacity to walk up to a problem and since they can determine that there's going to be a solution, because that's just the way an optimist thinks, they look for the solution inherent in the problem as opposed to looking to the problem, finding that they will be defeated by the problem, feeling hopeless and depressed, unable to maybe go in any direction. Feeling like they're going to have to depend on someone else to fix it for them or feeling like they have absolutely no resources, even in the other people, to help them through a situation. They become more stalled, more paralyzed, more anxious, and more depressed. Now, the other thing to consider is that... uh, The gift of being optimistic is that you can influence your hormones. Yes, you can influence your neurotransmitters. Those are the chemicals that bathe your brain and the rest of your body, and you can change those particular neurotransmitters and hormones by easy interventions. Guess what they are? Meditation, laughter, crying for joy, even crying for relief, sexual thoughts. Pleasant memories or positive conversations. And I noticed that when I get someone to tell me a story or a joke that is just hilarious to them, their whole physiology changes. They also did an interesting story not long ago, where and this can be found in Larry Dossie's book about prayer. And that the idea is that um, these individuals that went into a church and did meditation and prayer, that they clearly increased their serotonin as it was measured physiologically. But what they also found very interesting is that the people that were outside the church, their serotonin changed as well. So is optimism contagious? Interesting component of life? You can change your mood in a matter of moments from being ineffectual or possibly depressed or paralyzed by anxiety You can change into an individual who can mobilize yourself to function, problem solve, and generally just improve your health. So optimism does not mean lacking and savvy. It doesn't mean disregarding dangerous moments that need to be prepared for or need to be responded to quickly. It doesn't mean being avoidant. Avoidance coping typically is a little bit more commonplace with pessimists or the highly stressed, the individuals that are stressed with the hormones, and they're also those who view themselves as helpless to change the situation, and those are the avoidant coping individuals. They're not the optimists. Now, in this point and what goes on in the show, I bet most of you are saying, so what are the secrets for becoming optimistic if it is so incredibly positive to incorporate into my life? I always call this the formula of the threes. <laughs> this is the best, easiest formula of life. Exercise daily, sleep well, eat healthily, and don't forget to hydrate. And I put that in with nutrition. The fundamentals, tending to the well-being of your body. So you don't overtax it with toxicities. That means a type of food. So you don't overtax its systems, which means sleep. And it means that you also pump some really good energy through your muscles, which boys, would prefer to be active. And all that active stuff creates those endorphins, yes, and expels the stressors and optimizes what's going on in your body to fight off depression. So that is always the easiest formula. Well, you know I'm a psychologist, and so I also believe that psychotherapy is extremely helpful. But if you were to implement those three into your life, Can you imagine forestalling the diseases, the tiredness, the feelings of depression? Yes. Can you imagine taking into your own hands just by that simple formula your life so that you can become a person that engages as opposed to wants to run away? Number two, remember every day to laugh at yourself. That's right. Find situations where you laugh at yourself. You do something silly, crazy, or incompetent. Make sure you laugh and then get back to fixing the incompetent moment. Not sitting there badgering yourself, but sitting there being amused at your imperfections. You can laugh at situations that you're not in control of. You can be amused by circumstances that you can't change. Another thing that's really easy to implement is looking at funny video segments. And I will tell you that YouTube has become a lifesaver for those type of moments. If you're sitting in front of your computer and you have two minutes or ten minutes, there's so many funny, funny YouTubes out there that will bring a chuckle to your face and a big giggle to your belly, and those will be the very things that will create what I call functional optimism. Next, make sure you help someone other than yourself during the course of the day, definitely during the course of the week. Random acts of kindness not only are helpful to other individuals, but it fuels your brain with the optimistic neurotransmitters that are going to make you feel on top of your game, like you're a good person, which actually feels great, and that you actually can go out of your way to help someone else. Next, if you just built hints up and you cannot stand all the junk that's going on inside of your mind or your emotions, figure out a way to get private by yourself and unload. Shout and cry and rant and do kickboxing or pound on something heartily, And when you're really, really filled up with all this yuck, make sure to express it. But express it in an arena where you're private. You're safe. You're safe from other people criticizing you or other people being hurt by you. Don't direct this type of energy at other people. You'll only damage relationships. You'll hurt their optimism. You'll definitely hurt the feelings of love that exist between the two of you. So let it all out and then laugh at yourself for being so temporarily crazy. And the next solution or the next way to grow the creative, functional optimism inside of you, be touched and touch. This is not true for everybody. Some people can't stand the feeling of being touched. It feels invasive and intrusive for whatever series of reasons. But typically, hugs, kisses, massages, petting pets, even sex, especially with a loved one, snuggling or cuddling can ease many people's sour moments and just make them kind of purr inside themselves which raises the chemical support as well as the emotional experience. that can help you be more optimistic. Well, as mentioned before, the next one includes meditation, prayer, pauses to regroup, or the zenning, which is my way of saying getting in your own zen, the zenning the moment that you can definitely change your point of view and your experience of what's going on. In other words, the any of the moment is saying, well, what in the world is the teaching inherent in the circumstance? Or what is the meaningfulness inherent in the circumstance? Or how can I grow in terms of my own character and enrich my life based on the circumstance? And those points of view tend to breed an optimism. Finally, believe in a solution. And then look for those solutions. Look for how you can problem solve. And if you don't think you can problem solve, do not lose sight that there are problem solving professionals out there that are available to help you out. Well, that's a little bit about optimism today. And I hope that those of you that are fighting with depression and anxiety know that we're right here, right here with you to say, hey, look at, we want to care. We want to feel it with you. We want to understand that your life is not the way you want it to be or you may just be down but also seize hold of the opportunities to create optimism within you because guess what? The more optimistic you are, chances are the healthier you are as well. In addition, don't forget what I started off with. A 90-year-old woman, healthy and alert, said, optimism is what helps you be able to grow old happily. This is Dr. Carol Francis signing off. Thank you so much for joining me in this 20-minute program, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.